Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends pretend to be bartenders and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we feature a new cocktail, which has to tie into our stories. Although we are a casual comedy podcast, some of our subject material can be explicit. Listeners, be advised. Hey guys. It's Jackie. Andrea. What's up? It's Killer Cocktails time. What? Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I need to get an air horn for real. <laughs> <laughs> we are making a real classic tonight. Mm, I, can't, yeah. I can't believe it's been this long and we haven't done this drink. That's crazy. Yeah, we're episode 66. 66 cocktails down and this is the first time we're making this. We're making the gin and tonic. I... I used to love gin and tonics. I was a gin and tonic gal. We used to get them all the time down in Chile, which was cool because they had a Ruby Tuesdays down in Chile. Really? And it was it was a buy one, get one free what? cocktail. So you go, you pay for one, and they had a glass, you know? Yeah. Um, like, not like a rock sauce, like a tall, like Collins yeah. glass. And they'd fill essentially the whole thing up with gin Oof. and then give you a can of tonic and that's kind of like figure it out and so you you get through that and you're like okay check please and they're like uh, 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 you have another cocktail and then they wouldn't let you leave unless you took this other cocktail weird and so <laughs> carrie and nate didn't always like they weren't able to finish it and so we ended up splitting one can of tonic between us and then we'd put the excess in the can yeah. and we'd have a road soda <laughs> uh, um but today actually because we're in quarantine um we had to improvise so we, we called an audible yeah yeah uh and you didn't have tonic so we actually made a gin and soda with uh, with, which a, sh- with some lime in it with some lime in it, which I actually prefer. I like the taste I, better. I do of a too. I used, so my jam used to be like when I first started going out to bars, I really liked vodka tonics, and that was my go-to drink. And then I got to a point where I was just like, I, I think the idea of a vodka soda just sounded so gross to me. You know, because you're young and you don't like you you don't acquire liking the taste of alcohol when it's like a nicer alcohol. So I think once I kind of grew to like that flavor a little bit more, the vodka, I, I agree with you. I prefer the vodka soda. Now that I have discovered I like gin, I like a gin and soda. Like I don't, yeah. there's no, like the reason there's no tonic at my house is because I don't drink tonic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's essentially, if you don't know what soda water is, it's just bubbles. So it's like water with bubbles. And so this is a little hydrating, a little less calories than a gin and tonic. Because to- tonic, uh, tonic's that- got the, what makes it tonicky is that quinine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, it's just re- super refreshing when you have a bunch of that lime juice in mm-hmm. there, too. So I highly recommend this cocktail. What about you, Jackie? Do you <laughs> recommend this cocktail? I do. Again, I'm going to tell people I prefer the gin and uh, soda. But the reason we didn't do gin and soda as our episode mm-hmm. is because it's gin yeah. and tonic day on April 9th. Yeah, this Thursday. Yeah. So we were calling out yeah. the fact that here's this day coming up. Check out that drink. I think it's worth having. Just discover mm-hmm. where you land. Do you prefer a gin and tonic or do you prefer a gin and soda? Yeah, definitely. It's just going to depend on your fra- pla- flavor profiles do you want to know all about the gin and tonic i'm curious okay so i got all this information from a website called uh flaviar flaviar it's like uh flavor and caviar and it's a fun spin on the word i thought all right it took me a long time to. yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so the gin and tonic uh, for, was first created in Holland in the 17th century as a form of medicine. Holland. It was called uh, Genev- Genever. Uh, fun fact alert, that's the Dutch word for juniper. Ah, and gin is very juniper, juniper forward. forward. For sure. um, gin gin very- is vodka with juniper in it. Yeah, juniper It's berries. not its own mm-hmm. little thing. Like, it's vodka. It's a flavored vodka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was actually very different to the usually clear juniper forward spirit that we've come to know and love as gin today. So their Genevieve is their version of the gin. Um, in the 17th century, juniper, along with botanicals such as uh, the star of anus and... <laughs> <laughs> and coriander seed was believed to have medicinal properties and was distilled with malt spirit to create Genevieve. Um, and then during the 30-year war, British soldiers fighting on Dutch land discovered Genevieve. Another fun fact alert, it was nicknamed Dutch Courage because the fearless Dutch army all had a gin ration they'd uh, drink before going into battle. Right. Um, and then they brought it back to England. And so then it just kind of spread like wildfire by 1720. uh, It was estimated that as many as a quarter of the households in London were making their own gin. Dude. Yeah. Um, And then skip forward several years, several decades um, past any Tom or Dick or Harry making gin in their like bathtub and flavoring it with uh, turnip turpentine past the gin craze which coined the term mother's ruin in the mid 18th century and passed several major legislative acts to restrict the production of poor quality gin to 1857 when the british took governance of india and brits headed for warmer uh, climates and their droves um they used bitter tasting uh Quinine, quinine. Quinine, quinine, uh, extracted uh, from like this bark, and they use this to ward off malaria. And it was made into a tonic by dissolving it in water and adding sugar to sweeten it. Once the nation's favorite spirit was added, the Brits were left with a drink that tasted pretty darn good and stopped them getting ill. Mm-hmm. Win win. Yep. <laughs> so there's your uh, gin and tonic. Uh, yeah, the only part of that I think I knew was the whole like the tie to sailors was like, you know, keep the scurvy away, keep the whatever else away malaria you know yeah Yeah. being on a boat how fun well drea yeah are you ready for a story no i'm tired all right well you come back to me when you're ready okay i'm ready (laughs) okay (laughs) um this was uh, most of this is from wikipedia there was a really great article on biography.com and then a little youtube Mm -hmm. doc from a series called real stories Ooh. All right. So they're made up stories, right? Yeah, this is fiction. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to tell you about Dr. Harold Frederick Shipman. You know, Shipman. Like you'd be on a ship and you'd need to have a gin and tonic to stay healthy. Uh. (laughs) That's my tie. Good, good job. Good old Dr. Shipman. <laughs> so uh, he, was, he was born on January 14th, 1946. Um, he was the middle child um, and the pretty obvious favorite of his overbearing mother, Vera. So she just, he was her world and everything revolved around him. So it kind of tainted his like view of, like his worldview was skewed because everything, he always got his way. So by the time he's like out in the world interacting with other people, he's kind of a tool and he's not really popular in school and he doesn't really have many friends. He's just kind of this entitled kid. 
So his mom, and like he goes through school, he does fine. Um, when he's like a early adult, late teenager, his mom Vera gets diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, and oh, no. Fred goes. He becomes her caretaker, and he takes care of her until she dies in 1963. Okay. Now, while Fred is taking care of his mom, he's kind of fascinated by the effects that the morphine she takes has on her Mm -hmm. so he'd like see how much pain she was in he'd administer this morphine he would watch her you know kind of float away and he kind of he thought that was really neat okay at the same time he was taking care of his mom he's being like a doctor of sorts he decides that he's going to be a doctor and that he's going to go to med school and that like that's his future so he gets admitted to leeds university med school and i think he i think he fails to get in the first time but he, he eventually does get in goes to med school so now he's this 19 year old med student he meets this young gal her name's primrose they date and marry um primrose. primrose but by the time she's 17 she's already five months pregnant is when they get married so oh, like okay young and fast here we go so 1974 he's a true blue doctor uh he's got two kids he joins this medical practice in Todd Morden, Yorkshire. So all this is taking place over in uh, Britain. Mm-hmm. So he's doing really well at first. Um, but then he, you know, he gets a hankering for those sweet, sweet meds. Uh-huh. And he ends up addicted to the painkiller pethidine. I don't, okay. I don't know what it is. I'll bet it feels good. Um, he starts forging scripts for the drugs, Ooh. for like big quantities Ooh. of the drugs. And eventually oh. his colleagues kind of catch on. And they report him and they force him out. <clears throat> They're like, you can't yeah. be a doctor here no more. So he goes to rehab. That's part of, I think, not getting in so much trouble. He pays a fine. Um, he takes a conviction for the forgery. Um, but it doesn't look like he has to do any jail time. There's no major, major repercussions. Because a couple years later, um, he's welcomed into another medical practice at mm-hmm. Donnybrook Medical Center. And, and we've seen that before with like other doctors. Yeah. They're like, you know what? We, we don't want to make a big hubbub about it. Yeah. So they leave they our don't facility. leave a great little paper trail. And also, I don't know that this other medical place really looks into his past. Mm-hmm. So he's successful at this new spot. He's not doing drugs. Um, and he's I mean, he has kind of two years without or not two years, like two decades of kind of no incidents. Like he's just still uh, a pompous ass. But. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of the only real issues that he has. Okay, so at some point, this local undertaker is like, um, you know, a lot of Dr. Shipman's patients seem to be dying and like like more than a normal amount seem to be dying. And they all seem to be kind of posed in the same way where they were fully clothed and they're sitting up or laying down on a couch when they die. That's kind of weird. So he like pulls. Wait, what? Like instead of like in a hospital bed or in a gown, like they're all clothed and like sitting on a couch and like like they're in their their does, hospital well, room. Or he does a lot of house visits too. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. And then like and then he'll pronounce them dead, and then the undertaker will come. So like the undertaker will go to the house and be like, oh, you know, whenever Doctor Shipman calls me, I seem to be finding people sitting on their couch dead weird yeah so then he like pulls dr shipman aside and he's like hey um my spidey senses are kind of tingling what's going on dr s and then he's like oh no 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 it's all good man don't even fret about it uh this is normal yeah he's like but take but take these pills (laughs) yeah and the undertaker's (laughs) like okay and kind of lets it go but there's another doctor and her name is dr susan booth 
And she's a little suspicious about what's going on with him, too. So then she mm-hmm. tips off the local coroner's office, and they involve the police, and they kind of set up this little sting operation. They're like, you know what? Mm. Let's let's track down the next couple deaths and, like, follow up on them and see what's going on. But nothing really comes of this because all of his records are intact. Like, everything matches. Mm. So they're like, all right. Now, they don't do a background check on him because if they did, they would have discovered his criminal history and his drug past. But they don't. They're just looking in the now. So then it's June of 1988, and there's this spry 81-year-old lady, and her name's Kathleen Grundy, and she's found dead in her home shortly after a check from Dr. Shipman. So her Mm -hmm. daughter, Angela Woodruff, she's like, oh, no, my mom has died. She calls the doctor. Doctor comes down. He's like, oh, this is so unfortunate. Um, Yeah, she's just kind of died of being old. Uh, you don't need to do an autopsy. Just follow your mother's wishes. Um, so then she's like, okay. So then, uh, you know, her mom wanted to be buried. So she buries her mom. But then things kind of go sideways when Angela, this is the daughter, discovers a second will that leaves almost all of her mother's estate to Dr. Shipman. Oh, the doctor that she Weird. just met? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. So then... Angela's like, okay, not only am I her daughter, and there's no way she's going to leave her doctor all of her stuff, I'm also her lawyer. I'm a lawyer, and I'm my mom's lawyer, and like, here's her will. I don't know about this other will. She's like, hell no. So then she calls the police, and she's like, hey. Is that a conflict of interest, though, to be your mother's lawyer No, because you can also be there. You can be their trustee, and like, Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So then, um, I mean, I don't know that it's a great idea, but I don't know that it's illegal. Mm. So she calls the police and she's like, hey, look into this. This guy's a creep. So then <laughs> they look at all this same evidence and the police are like, yeah, it does kind of look like he killed your mom and then is trying to steal all of her stuff. So they exhume cat. He's a doctor. Calm down. You got money. Right? Maybe yeah. he's back on those pills. I don't know. Oh, so then oh. they exhume Kathleen's body. They do an autopsy. And sure enough, she died of a morphine overdose. Weird. So they do like, so now kind of the jig is up. So the daughter's like pushing, pushing, pushing. She's like, this is, I'm not letting this go. Then they they start doing, and like Dr. Shipman's like, I don't know what it was all bent out of shape about. Everything's fine. All the records match. Everything's like, this is what happened. And this is when these things are administered and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, they get some, like, technological forensic people involved. And they're like, hey, uh, cool story, bro. Did you know that every time that you altered their medical records hours after they died, that's, like, time stamped in a computer? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. They do a bunch of, like, fingerprint stuff. And the only fingerprints on this new will leaving everything to Dr. Shipman is Dr. Shipman. It doesn't have Kathleen's fingerprints on it anywhere. They find uh, like a uh, typewriter. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. They find a typewriter at Dr. Shipman's that's the same typewriter used for the will. Like there's just wow. all this stuff. They're like, uh, dude. Then they're like, how many people has this guy killed? So yeah. then they start going back through. So now they have the key signature on when did he like, let's figure out when people died and when he's got notes in these computers. Cause those are the people mm-hmm. he's most likely murdered. So they end yeah. up, I think trying him for like 15 different people. Um, and like the daughter's a witness at the trial and it's like this whole big thing. Um, but yeah, found, found guilty. And he's one of those murdering doctors. 
That's crazy. That's crazy. I hate when I hate those stories because you know, you want to have faith in your doctor. You yeah. want to be like, you have you have my literal life in your hands, so I want to be able to trust you. And obviously, the stories that we're telling are far and few between when For you sure. look at the magnitude of doctors out there, but it's still terrifying. Yeah. This one, yeah. at least, like the other doctor deathy one where the guy was like mm-hmm. putting awful things in their IVs and like torturing mm-hmm. them. At least this dude was just like... That wasn't Doctor Death. No, no, no. Well, uh, there's a like the Angel of Death. There's another oh, famous Angel of Death. There's a yeah, few yeah, famous yeah. doctory ones. Um, yeah, yeah. At least this guy was just like, go to Pleasant Sleeps in in Morphineville. Like of all the ways to be murdered, uh, yeah. less terrible. To, like I don't. You shouldn't be murdering people. So crazy. And then yeah, you think about like, if his mother had never gotten sick, like would he still have that obsession I don't, with? Because that was the same story with that other doctor. He was taking care of like a, a dad or an uncle or a mm-hmm. grandpa or somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was part of that, like taking care of them and administering where they were like, ooh, I like the power of of this life and death in my hands. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. I hate it. Blah. But the, that's, blah, 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 that's the story of Dr. Shipman. <laughs> Dr. Shipman. Um, All right. Well, we're going to take a quick intermission. We're going to refresh in our drinks and we'll be right back. Bye. Hey, guys. It's Drea. And Jackie. And we're doing our intermission. Intermission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope while you're refreshing your cocktail and settling in to listen to the next story, um, that you want to hear a little about us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was born. Uh, Oh, not like that. (laughs) That's two way back. Um, I just wanted to thank everyone who's gone over to iTunes and rated and subscribed and reviewed. Um, We actually just got a new um, review and um, it says, fun, listen, I can always expect to laugh and learn a thing or two with this podcast when uh, would love to hang out with these girls IRL. In real life. Thank you, Jacqueline. Um, and that was from Ja TN89. Ja. <laughs> ja, ja, ja. Ja, And I actually think we are one star away from 100 reviews. So Boom. Get it, on there. Push it over. Push it to the limit. Uh, I like round numbers. So a, yeah. a solid 100 would be much appreciated. Well, and then if we accidentally get to 101, you guys are going to have to like push it further. And we're going to have to get to like 110. Obviously, so. my OCD is going to kick in. So yeah. just bloop, bloop, bloop. Um, also, you guys, we heard you loud and clear. You guys really want a virtual live show. Um, so... I know this is really last minute, but we got a lot of time on our hands, so we decided um, we're going to do a live show next this Wednesday. This Wednesday, yeah, this Wednesday, uh, April eighth at six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We figured that worked for the West Coast, that worked for the East Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, trying, you know, these these two coasts. It's difficult. They're they're different, but the same. Um, we are going to do the Bennett cocktail. So if you have these ingredients at home and you want to listen um, and drink along with us, you can. Or maybe you could run out to the store. I don't know what your situation's like. Don't touch but... your face. Wash your hands. <laughs> wash your hair, too. Um, you're going to need gin, uh, lime juice, simple syrup, and oh, gosh, this bitters. It's a... Uh, and ghost and- bitters? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's like a pre-standard <laughs> bitters. Uh, and yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, and now I already forgot. We've got the, uh, I was going to tell people, mm-hmm. hmm, Tria, yeah. 
Will oh. you give me the ingredients again? Yeah. Uh, gin, lime juice, simple syrup, and a bit of a bitter. Here we go. Simple syrup. Don't do what we did. Don't buy simple syrup. Make mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You just need a heat source and sugar and water. Boom. You got simple syrup. Don't buy simple syrup. You want that fresh, fresh. It's so simple. (laughs) Um, We'll be giving you more details on the live show. Um, But in my head, maybe you guys get there at 6 and from 6.10 or from 6 to 6.10, we're like chatting. Well, because we know we're going to talk to each other. uh, Computers and technology are difficult and Mm. we suddenly lose all sense of how to do things. So, you know, the first couple minutes are always going to be a little goofball. So I'd say, yeah, yeah get there get there early, get it all situated. Yeah. And myself then, included. And then we'll have cocktails. You could chat with us. We'll chat with yeah. you. I think you'll be able to look at our faces. It's going to oh, be crazy. That's a, um, that's a shower day. Ah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you need to wash your Actually, hair. I think so I've showered every day. It's just a, a hair. Like, I won't wash my hair every day. Well, that's nice, Jackie. I'm gl- glad you're staying clean. <laughs> it makes your day feel like a day, you know? <laughs> Um, but I'm super stoked to see you guys all on Wednesday and check out our Instagram for more information. And yeah, that's all for me. See you there. Bye. Back, back to the episode. Ba-da-ba-da. Hey guys, welcome back. We are back. We're live. You always do that. We are not live. You don't know. You don't know. Um, do you want to hear a story? I'd love to hear a story. Okay. How about if I tell you the story about Richard Leonard Kuklinski, a.k.a. the Iceman? The Iceman? The Iceman. Okay. Okay. So Richard is born on April 11th of 1935. Uh, he's born in Jer- Jersey City, Jersey. Jersey City, Jersey. Yeah. Uh, he is the second of four children of a young Polish family, and his parents are Stanley and Anna. Um, his dad works at a railroad and struggles with alcoholism, and he um, unfortunately regularly abuses his wife and children. Um, his mother, meanwhile, works at a meat processing plant, and she's extremely strict, and she's a devout Catholic, um, and she also abuses the children. Okay. Um, when Richard is five years old, his dad comes home and starts beating up his older brother. Um, but the beating goes so far that his dad accidentally kills him. Um, when his dad realizes this, he tells his wife to call the hospital and to tell them that um, he had died falling down the stairs and that he hit his head. Whoa. Yeah. Soon after this, Richard's uh, dad leaves the family and Richard is left to fend for himself. Um, So in 1948, by the age of 13, Richard uh, isn't having the best childhood. Um, There's a kid named Charlie Lane, who's the leader of this gang known as the Project Boys. And he has kind of like honed in on Richard and he keeps bullying him extensively. And so one day after Charlie beats up Richard super bad, Richard's like, you know what? I've I've had it. I'm I'm not going to take this anymore. So he ambushes Charlie and he starts attacking him with. So if you can imagine your closet and that pole that's in your closet that hangs up all the clothes. So he has like a curtain, not a curtain rod, but, you know, a clothes rod. He takes that and he starts beating up Charlie to the point that it's so bad that he kills him. 
Um, and he ended up like hiding the body and he's like really nervous that it's going to be found and that he's going to get in all this trouble, but Charlie's body is never found. Um, and so Richard then goes to find the rest of the guys in Charlie's gang. And then, uh, and when he does, he sees like another, he sees another metal pole and he starts to, uh, beat a bunch of them up really bad as well. Ooh. And he kind of gets the upper hand on this gang, which kind of gives him the sense of power. Yeah. Um, and he would later be like, you know what? It, it's better to give than to receive. So I'd rather be on the giving end than the receiving end of these kind of beatings. Okay. So basically he's like, you know what? Getting bullied isn't fun. I'm going to be a bully. Yes, exactly. Um, and Richard would also say that he would hurt someone just for making him feel bad about like anything. His number one pet peeve was loud mouth people because they reminded him of his father. And he also stated that he abused and killed animals as a young child. Hmm. Um, and like, as he's growing up, his, um, one of his brothers, Joey actually goes to prison, um, when he's 25 years old after raping and killing a 12, 12 year old girl. And he threw her body off the roof of a building. And then he also threw her dog off the building as well. Um, and so you could kind of see like the family dynamic he's coming from just like everyone's kind of in this like stressful situation. Um, so Richard grows up and he's six foot five, he's 300 pounds and he becomes friends with this mobster named Roy Demoy. Um, <laughs> it's a fun name, Roy Demoy, um, who introduces him to the Gambino crime family. Oh, the Gambino crime uh, family? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know them? They're famous. Oh, yeah. They've done and he's some big, bad things. So is he, he's going to end up being muscle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. I've never watched The Sopranos, but... Um, I haven't either. I'm saving it. Okay. <gasps> I know I'll love it, and I'm saving yeah. it for when I... You know when you get that, like... <sighs> depression's the wrong word, but I'll, I'll use it. That mild depression when you finish a really good show, mm-hmm. and you're like, nothing will yeah. be as good as that show. I'm mm-hmm. saving it for when I can't find anything for it. I'm, I know that I'll like The Sopranos. I, I, same. I think I, I have been saving it. I know my really good friend Nate back in college, like, loved it. And I think I've seen the end, but I don't know what it means. So I'm really excited to watch the whole thing. But essentially, in my mind's eye, Richard's whole, like, story reminds me of what The Sopranos, like, would be okay. in a show. Um, so Richard then starts working for the family. And at first, he's just doing some robberies for them and other odd jobs like pirating uh, porno tapes. <laughs> uh, until one day, Richard's buddy Roy takes him out for a drive and they park on a city street. And then Roy points out a random man walking by with his dog. Okay. And he tells Richard, you know what you should do? You should go, you should go kill that man. Okay. And, and without questioning the order, Richard gets out and he walks towards the man. As Richard passes him, he turns and shoots the guy in the back of the head. And then from then on, Richard becomes Roy's go-to hitman. Um, that's ridiculous. It's insane. Uh, so over the next 30 years, Richard kills tons of people. The exact number is not clear, but authority thinks it's between 33 and 200 people. That's quite a span. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, there's like what they can prove versus what mm-hmm. he says. Uh, when killing, Richard preferred using cyanide. And we, we talk about cyanide a lot, but um, in case you don't know, because I didn't really know the true effects of it, cyanide poisoning is 
like a really awful way to die. It interferes with the cellular enzyme system that processes the body's utilization of oxygen. So the victim fixates as the cells starve. And if ingested, there's a burning in the mouth and throat and the victim quickly grows dizzy and disoriented. So it's it's not well, that's why it's so crazy, a great way to die. Because like a bunch of spies would keep cyanide capsules so that if you get captured, uh, they'd be like, gosh, mm-hmm. and they'd like bite on it. But it sounded like an awful way to die. So to know, yeah. not only are you like, this situation sucks, I'm out, but being mm-hmm. like, I know it's going to be terrible on the way out. All that's yucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awful. So he and would then, poison people with cyanide? Yeah. And he used it because it was hard to detect in toxo- uh, toxicology tests. Okay. Because like... Uh, that's not something that you usually test for. Yeah. Uh, so he would either inject his victim, he'd put it in their food, he'd put it in like an aerosol spray, and he'd walk past them on the street and just like spray them in the face. What? Or, or he would just simply put it on the victim's skin. Um, and then he would get rid of the body uh, by putting them in like oil drums. He loved getting them like in oil drums, filling it with cement and like leaving it places. Um, his other disposal methods included dismemberment, burial, or placing the body in the trunk of of a car and having it crushed in a junkyard. What? Um, he also claimed to have left bodies just sitting on park benches. Like, he, like, just leave it propped up on a bench so a day or so later people would find them. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Um, so, now I'm gonna just tell you about crazy times that he killed people okay. uh he once blew up a man with a grenade and he stuffed another into a barrel of quick drying cement so there's another time so he's working with this guy gary smith and they would steal cars together for profit and then the cops started getting onto his like we know what you're doing yeah. blah, 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 blah. um so gary kind of had to go into hiding and so richard had to like keep moving him from hotel to hotel to try to keep him out of the police's way and finally richard's like you know what this is this is super annoying i don't want to bring you food every day like and you don't seem like you want to try to like fix your ways to become better at like the underground business so let's just kill you Dang. and so he got some hamburgers he put some cyanide in them, and he brought them to Gary, and Gary was eat- eating them at his hotel, and he died. Yeah. And so um, Richard's wife, Barbara, was supposed to come with a getaway car to, like, come get the body, but she never showed up. Uh-oh. So him and his buddy were like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just leave him under the mattress of this hotel room. Ew. And they, and they just left him there. And four days later, just after Christmas, uh, the fourth couple to rent the room. <gasps> no. Of- complained about the ungodly smell and so when they lifted up the mattress there was this bloated blackened body that had just been baking in the heat no Uh no yes 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 how hold on (laughs) hold on yeah like in between the box spring and the mattress there's just a fucking lump ass body and three Mm -hmm. other couples didn't notice that like they were rolling off the bed because there's a body under the mattress Uh uh-huh this story's bullshit. No, can you imagine breaking the box spring, right? Okay. And putting the body in the box spring Gross. and then putting the mattress over. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it's a it's a it's a motel, a hotel holiday inn. Yeah. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Could you oh yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um so So, and then this is just another example of how crazy Richard was. So, while driving on the highway one night, Richard is cut off by, like, this young guy. And Richard just gets road rage. He's like, screw this guy. He 
follows him, runs him off the road, beats the heck out of him, and then he runs over the body several times and then leaves him lying in a ditch. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the height of Richard's uh, hitman career, he meets and marries Barbara, uh, who I mentioned earlier, um, and they would actually have two daughters and a son. Um, and his family and neighbors were never aware of his activities. They just thought he was like a very successful businessman. That's my neighbor, Richard. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like at any hour of the day, he would have to leave to go on like yeah. runs. And so he'd be like in the middle of the dinner and he'd get a call and he'd have to like take off. Um, as his career goes on, he initially had the nickname the Pollock by his Italian associates because he, of his Polish yeah. uh, uh, heritage. But then Richard earned the nickname Iceman, which oh, I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So one of his favorite ways to disguise the time of death was hiding the bodies in freezers and then like holding them for a couple months and then like depositing them Ooh. other places. Iceman. And, uh huh. So he got the idea from a hitman named Mr. Softy. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Softy got the, I think he got the nickname because he drove a Mr. Softy like ice cream truck. Oh, whoa. Uh huh. Yeah. Cause he, he, uh, he was also a hitman, but he was trying to like be under disguise. Huh. Um, so Richard murdered uh, a pharmacist and he actually kept the body of the uh, pharmacist for two years in the ice cream truck. Uh, and, that just seems foolish. Uh huh. And during that time, Mr. Softy was, Going around yeah, town, yep. pretending to be an ice cream man, serving ice cream to people while this, while this body was in his ice cream truck. <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, so police finally caught on to this because uh, when they finally got rid of the pharmacist's body, they didn't let him thaw out all the way. So they left him. Police found him. Um, and they were um, dissecting the body. And they uh, realized there were still ice chunks in the heart. So they're like, oh, he's been frozen this entire time. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, so Richard's friend, the Mr. Softy hitman guy, a.k.a. Robert Prong, uh, was um, an ex-military like trained demolitions technician. And he was actually the one who taught Richard about cyanide and all the different poisons you can use um, to kill his victims. And um, later on in 1984, Robert Prong was actually found shot dead in his truck and most believe that richard was the one who killed him huh. um and then in 1983 roy Demoy, his old buddy Roy-de-moy. you know from the beginning uh he like falls out of friendship with the gambino family and so they put a hit out on him and he's found shot dead in his trunk uh, of, of his car and then richard would later um he would never admit that he killed him but he would say um that roy outlived his usefulness Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so another one of uh, Richard's victims, um, he was supposed to get this pharmacist, um, like, a shipment of this thing called Tagamet. It's a prescription, like, ulcer medication, and he was going to give them to, like, real cheap. I'll yeah. get it to you real cheap. But this was kind of uh, Richard's MO. He would, like, set up a, a fake, like, interaction, be like, okay, I'll get you this drug. Just bring $25,000, and that would fall through. He's like, hey, they're on to us. It's getting real hot. We're going to have to make it $30,000. Okay. Like, I'll meet you at this new spot. And he'll kind of string them along, and they're kind of getting desperate, and they keep bringing more and more money with them. And so uh, he met up with the pharmacist, and he actually ended up killing him because he had a hit on him, and he put him in an oil drum, filled it with cement, and left it by this hot dog stand. 
And for months, this oil drum with this guy's body is next to this hot dog stand. And Richard would go by and like buy hot dog. Oh my hang God. Out. He's twisted. And, He's a crazy uh-huh. person. Until finally the hot dog stand was like, what is this oil drum doing here? So they had it removed and taken to the dump. Do you remember how uh, there was an oil drum by work that's just yeah. been there for years? Yeah. We watched or we listened to Bear Brook and I lost my mind and I went over and I kicked it and I was like, no. It's empty, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eep. Yeah, I, yeah. I wondered from afar for a very long time. <laughs> I, I had never noticed it until I started listening to it and I was like, what? What is that over there in the bushes? I feel like Tom and I had talked about it once. That's how long it's been there. You guys never checked it out? No. Or, or he told me that he had checked. Whatever it was, I felt like I didn't need to. Mm. Mm. Okay. So anyways, Richard Richard is out killing people left and right. It's insane. It's it's mayhem. Um, so finally, the state and the feds are, are like, you know what? Let's bring Richard in. Uh, so they just start. They decide to start an undercover investigation against Richard. And it takes six years for this full investigation that to go on. is crazy. I feel like there's a lot of corruption going on, too. Possibly. Um, so they have this special agent, Dominic uh, Polifrone. Um, he's under he's an undercover um, specialist, and he has, like, a, a specialty in working with mafia cases. Yeah. So he, he teams up with a New Jersey State Police detective named Pat Kane, and they recruit this guy, uh, Phil Simolier, who is actually close friends with Richard. Uh, so they bring him onto the team. I'm not sure if they, like, coerce him on or what have you, but it takes a year and a half before Dom, like Dominique, is introduced to Richard. Uh-huh. So, like, there's there's part of the six-year investigation. It yeah. took that long just to get that close to him. Okay. So Dominique, a.k.a. Dom, acts like he wants to hire Richard for a hit on this rich kid. So Richard's like, cool, I can do it. You just pay me and then also get me some cyanide. So Dom brings these egg sandwiches, and their plan is to poison the sandwiches and give it to the kid. Okay. Um, and Dom also gives Richard what he thinks is cyanide, but actually he gives Richard uh, quinine. Uh, that's my tie to the cocktail. Nice job. Tonic has quinine. That was a sneaky one. That was nice. Thank you. Thank you. So the day arrives and it's December 17th of eight, uh, 1986. And Richard is like ready to meet up with Dom. He's like got his van ready with his kill kit ready. And Dom brings him these egg sandwiches and the quote unquote cyanide. And so Richard takes the sandwiches and he adds the what he thinks is cyanide mm-hmm. to the sandwiches. But it's quinine. Um, and he goes to meet up with the hit. The only thing is, is Richard takes off and he goes back to his house. Huh. And so the police are like, uh, we think maybe Richard is on to us. So we got to just like make our move now. And so uh, when Richard actually got to his house, Barbara was feeling ill that morning. And so he's like, you know what? Get in the car. We're going to go to the hospital. Um, Here, so eat like, this sandwich. Oh, no. <laughs> nah, he loves his wife to an extent. Um, but so the police kind of like chase them down. Um, they pull them out of the car and he actually has a gun in the car. And so they take Barbara in for custody too. And Richard just kind of loses his mind. He's like, don't you lay a finger on my wife? Bah, 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 bah. Um, and it's this whole thing. And they have to have several police officers like take him down. Um, but the police are like, you know what? We have you on tape agreeing to murder this guy. And like, we have you taking the quote unquote cyanide. So 
we're going to charge you. So in 1988, a New Jersey court convicts Richard of five murders and sentences him to consecutive life sentences, making him ineligible for parole until he's 110 years old. Oh, dang. Uh-huh. Um, and the crazy thing is, so he's in prison yeah and hbo goes to him a couple times and they're like hey we should do we should do a documentary on you and so they do a couple documentaries i was gonna say i feel like there's a documentary about this guy oh 100 and so in one interview richard claims that he would have never killed a child and most likely wouldn't have killed a woman um and however according to one of his daughters he once told her that he would have to kill her and her two siblings should he happen to to beat her mother so bad that he kills her in a fit of rage so he's like if i ever killed your mother i'm gonna have to kill all you kids too jesus um yeah and um so he confess so once he's behind bars He's like in this documentary and he starts confessing to all these other murders. And he once uh, said that he wanted to try out a new crossbow that he had. So while he's out driving, he asks a random man for directions and he shoots the guy in the forehead with a crossbow. And he says the arrow just goes like halfway into his head. Uh huh. And also on several occasions, he would kidnap his victims and instead of killing them, he would bind their hands and feet with tape. And then he'd leave the victims in a ca- cave in the wilderness and he'd leave them there to get eaten by rats and other wild animals. Um, and he also says that in one interview that he the one murder that he regretted the most was when he was um, in the process of killing a guy and the man began to pray to God to save his life. Mm-hmm. And Richard told him that he would give God 30 minutes to save him. But once that time was up, he would kill him. So he then waited with the man for 30 minutes and then he killed him. Ugh. So he's like, I just really felt like I tested his faith and I, I he's like, I didn't feel good about it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in the 2001 HBO documentary, Richard confesses that he killed New York uh, City police officer, uh, police detective Peter Coblero, um, on the night of March 14th, 1980 on orders from Gambino crime family under boss, uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano. Richard said that he, uh, popped behind a double parked van on a snowy Whitney road at 2 AM and fired into, um, Coblero's window and, um, he killed him. Uh, Richard then pleaded guilty in 2003, and a week later, murder charges were uh, set against Gravano. He was already in jail serving another drug convic- uh, conviction. Mm-hmm. So essentially, Richard is now going after the mob family, and uh, he's going to testify against him and uh, get him more time on his sentence. Um, but then Richard dies at the age of 70 at 1.15 a.m. on March 5th, 2006, before he's supposed to testify. And um, without his um, testimony, yeah. uh, the other guy goes free. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this back and forth of whether they put a hit out on him and somebody in jail like went after him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's crazy. You can learn a lot more information from the two, document- two documentaries that HBO did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was just such a bad just guy. just seemed like, I, I remember, I think I've seen, I don't... I don't think I tried to watch the whole thing. Maybe I just saw like snippets of it or like a trailer or something. He just seemed like a sociopath. Just like mm-hmm. no concept of human life or regard for it. Yeah. Yeah. And not that he was necessarily going out and like killing on his own, but he would definitely, it was like an opportunist kind of killing. It was like a like serial it. killer found a job. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, you know what? I get enough work that it scratches the itch. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, a lot of my information came from the HBO documentary Iceman, Confessions of a Mafia Hitman, and Wikipedia in Crime Library. I don't know. Yeah. So he he was a bad mama jamma. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. You, some- and you recommend the doc for people to watch if they're home and yeah, bored? Yeah. I mean, not it's great. Not the, it's not. It's not. I would recommend Robert Durst. Oh, Jinx. Jinx. Everybody, before. we've already told you to do this. If you haven't, you weren't listening. <laughs> Kimber, are you shaking your head? Watch the Jinx. Did you finish it? I tried. You didn't finish it. I gave it like ten minutes. I was bored. Oh my! This is the oh. problem between you and Jackie. <laughs> you both won't watch Letter Kenny. You guys need to give it more time. I think Jackie more than Kimberly gives things more time. Maybe we do a on a different day. We do a Netflix watch of Letter Kenny. It's Hulu, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> is there a way to do that? Yeah, just watch it. <laughs> mm, no, because I'll just choose something else. All right. But Kimri, okay, if you're listening, you have to give a show at least past the pilot in the first, like the first three episodes. I'm gonna, I'll agree with you. Certain yeah. series, people will tell you the whole first season. Like if it's a short mm-hmm. first season, sometimes the first season is bad. Um, but yeah, you got to go at least three. Because they're like, Parks and Recs in the beginning is a nightmare. Oh, Everyone's yeah. haircut is awful. Nothing makes sense. Everyone's figuring out their characters and who they are. What is most precious to you in your world? <laughs> yeah. Time. But if, no, answer the question. The most precious thing to me is time. Yes. And, and not, you're going to make me waste. Mm-hmm. Let's, say, let's say at a minimum, there are only 20-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. And I've got to get through three. That's an hour. Yeah, but... And that's a minimum. Good things talking about ones that are whole season. Good things come. Good things come to those who wait. You have to wait through some bullshit to get to the great stuff. There are plenty of good shows that are perfect from day one. (sighs) This is like her and TikTok. This is frustrating. This is just as frustrating. Just as frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) TikTok can go walk into the ocean. Shows with bad first seasons. Oh you my god! Through from walking the you guys are ridiculous. You know what? Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah, you're wrong. I'm glad everybody. Uh, if you made it through us arguing, <laughs> we've all been real yeah, pissy. I think we're all like the quarantine has worn thin. Okay, I'm gonna tell you some self care. <laughs> okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. My office has just started a gin and tonic Thursday scheme. It takes place at my desk, and I'm the only one who knows about it. (laughs) That's something like Caroline would do. (laughs) I don't have a lot of gin self-care. Do you want to tell me a joke? Um, Okay, I got one. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So there's this guy. I think his name's Bob, and he's got this friend who's a giraffe. Uh And they go head into this bar. And they're sitting on the stools next to each other, and they're just ordering, like, their time went on. One drink after another, like, they're getting real saucy. And uh-huh. eventually, I think Bob gets a call from his wife or something. She's like, where are you? He's got to, like, leave all of a sudden. And uh, he's like, all right, I got to go. He, like, settles up his tab. He starts to walk off. As he's, like, walking out of the bar, this giraffe, like, falls off of the stool that it's sitting on, hits the ground. And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, you good? And then, like, he continues to leave. And the bartender's like, whoa, 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 you can't leave that lion here. And he goes, that's not a lion. That's a giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. 
That's good. You got Kimberly really good. That's good. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Great. <laughs> cool. Yep. There's yours for me. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think we're all in a weird mood. <laughs> but I like I hope you guys like the episode. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. 